With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the third ever episode of a still pretty brand new cricketing podcast called Zero Ducks Given. It is myself, Toby Tarrant, the inimitable Mr. Daniel Norcross and lovable ex-England player, Mr. Stephen Finn as well. And uh, we were kind of expecting a, a quiet week in between the test matches of England versus India on this podcast, but quite the opposite because it's all been kicking off. We have to talk about the IPL auction and all the ridiculous prices being paid and players that weren't being picked up. We have to talk about the 100 auction, which one person on this podcast is particularly excited about. Uh, I'll explain a bit more about that a bit later on. Uh, Also, a sponsored cover drive has caught Daniel Norcross's eye. And we'll look forward to the third test between England and India as well. And also, you have been sending in questions for our very own Stephen Finn, which we will address at the end of the podcast. But it's very nice to be here. Let's get straight into the ridiculous IPL auction. So we talked about it last week and I went on record very, very confidently saying that Chris Morris is pretty much the most overrated cricketer I've ever seen. Whenever I've watched him bowl, which is a lot, he seems to go around the park. Personally, I think the bloke's a bit of a myth, but uh, somebody somewhere knows a lot more than me because he went for a world record, pretty much 1.65 million Pounds. That basically means that somebody at the IPL auction thought that Chris Morris was worth 11 Dawid Milans, the world's best T20 batsman. Apparently, Chris Morris was worth 11 times more than him. And Stephen Finn still didn't get his name mentioned. Not only did he get picked up, but they literally didn't even say his name once again. Stephen, were you watching the IPL draft? Were you, were you waiting for your name to get called out? Yeah, waiting with bated breath for eight <laughs> hours, and then didn't even get a didn't even get a mention. No, I I didn't, and it's one of those ones where you're sort of flashing up on your phone. It seems every auction there's record, 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 and 
And yeah, Chris Morris, after you two were slagging him off last week, <laughs> has ended up going and earning an absolute fortune this year round. So it shows what you two know and shows how much credibility you have when it comes to putting together a cricketing podcast, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say that I did stick the knife into Chris Morris a bit last week, but uh, I, I'll, do you know what? I'll give him this one. One nil Chris Morris, because he's now £1.6 million richer uh, than he was this time last week. And I'm doing the podcast for free, like an absolute idiot. Daniel Norcross, were you following the, the the IPL auction as it took place? Yeah, I was gripped. I'm always gripped by the IPL auction because it's it's completely crazy, isn't it? I mean, basically, if you're Australian, then you're worth 10 times as much as a Kiwi who have, who have just beaten the Australians handsomely in a T20. They're one of the best teams in the world across all formats, New Zealand. They were by the beer or stuff, all margins, failed to become world champions in a 50-over format. They got... These extraordinary players. There's another one the other day. He's just just hit 99 not out against Australia. They can't they can't get a run in any IPL team. Instead, you know Adam Zampa and Jai Richardson and Kane <laughs> Richardson and you know basically all these guys who go for 40 in four overs in the big bash uh, pick up half a million pounds here and there. I mean it's I don't I, there's some science in it, isn't there? I mean the thing about Chris Morris is that he bowls and bats. There's the science. <laughs> that's that's really where, where where you went wrong you see i mean i you bat obviously but do you bowl well you've you've caught me um at a time of the day where i've just come back from training and and i did actually practice hitting some sixes so if anyone's listening out there part of an ipl franchise i can put together a video compilation of me hitting half volley sixes in the Finchley indoor school at middlesex and, and you never know if i drip feed that into my instagram over the weeks before the next IPL auction, you just never know. It'd be a bit like so the sort of twelve-year-olds whose dads send in their pictures to, you know, to, to Kumar Sangakkara and says, "How do you think my son's cover drive's coming along?" That sort of thing. Ladies and gentlemen, after missing out on the the PSL and the IPL and MFI and DFS and WD40 and KFC and basically any combination of letters you name it, Finney's missed out on it. However. Stephen Finn has got a white ball contract at long, long last because he has been picked up in the hundred, which is great for our podcast content. So selflessly, thank you very much for falling on that sword for us, Finney. How did you find out you'd finally been picked? Well, it's actually been a lifelong dream of mine to represent the Manchester Originals. And, <laughs> uh, I had thought that this moment may never come, but um, but yeah, I, I found out this afternoon, uh, that's Monday afternoon, you got an email. So this year, the, uh, the draft wasn't broadcast on TV. It wasn't streamed anywhere. It was literally done by people on Zoom. And it was that you were to get an email that would tell you whether you've been picked up in the draft and at what level you've been picked up. So yeah, I got an email this afternoon from the hundreds email address, just an anonymous email address saying, congratulations, you've been picked up in this bracket of the 100 draft for the Manchester Originals, yeah. So do you all get like sort of paraded in the Hacienda? You know, do you have to like meet Oasis and the Stone Roses and, you know, like <laughs> get inculcated in a whole like vibe of Manchester, you know, got talk proper as well, you know, feeling like that, that's no good. Well, it's, how's, it, how's it happen? Do you get like special coaching on how to be a man? Well, yeah, I might need some help because I've never really spent that much time, more than five or six days for a test match in Manchester. I've never spent more time than that up there. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to acclimatise myself and accustom myself to the locals 
at some stage, decide whether I'm red or blue. I'm sure I'll get asked that a fair bit. It's going to be an interesting concept and see how it goes. But um, as I said, it's been a lifelong dream of mine to be a Manchester original. Well, they've got 15 different words for rain up there. And, and the chances are that, you know, you won't actually have to play very much because it'll be pouring down with rain and you, you won't get inside ahead of Harry Gurney anyway. So <laughs> um, you're going to get used to wearing a bib. But what I want to know is if you win, are you going to do a John Terry? If you haven't been playing that much, are you still going to go up and collect the trophy, you know? Yeah, I'll be front and centre. Don't worry about that. No matter how little I've played, I'll be in the kit all over social media. I think that's the way to get yourself involved in all these white ball things. Make it look as though you're doing more than you are. So I'll be um, I'll be front and centre and screaming the loudest. Yeah, that's it. You just got you just got to like just put your name out there and act like you're amazing, like Jai Richardson and Chris Morris have done in the IP. Just. Don't, make sure nobody ever looks at your stats. They just look at your swagger and the way that you're owning the whole thing. And be like, he's got to be good. Look at the confidence going for him. I mean, I'm looking at the team here. And uh, first of all, £32,000, Stephen Finn, drinks on you when we're allowed back in the pub. But I'm looking through the team here. Where do you see yourself fitting into this lineup, Finney? Because I'm looking at Rabada, Gurney, Jamie Overton. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's not a bad bowling lineup. What do you see? I, I can't imagine you strolling up to Rabada and go, here, I'll take the first one, Kigizo. Well, I think you're downplaying my capabilities here. <laughs> find it quite offensive, actually. I, um... <laughs> no, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I looked at the team. The team looks pretty handy, to be fair. I don't think my pinch hitting capabilities are going to be needed that much in it um, over a course of 100 balls. But yeah, it's one of 14 and see how we go. If I get a few games and do all right, you, you never know, do you? So it's one of those you've got... Approach it with open arms, but yeah, I, I don't think I'll be taking that first over off Kagizo Rabada because he is pretty special. It is, it is a really handy looking side, actually, for people who are, haven't poured over all the teams yet. I mean, Nicholas Poran, absolutely massive at the moment. They're coming off the back of a really good T10 tournament as well, I should point out. You've got twin leggy. Uh, remember, we don't call it T10. We call it Tenty-Tenty, please. Sorry, Tenty. In the Tenty-Tenty. <laughs> you. uh, you've got twin leggies because you've got Parkinson, you've got Shadab Khan. You've got the up-and-coming Lamanby. Lots of excitement around him. Wayne Madsen, you and he might be playing a bit of poker together during the games. We'll see. <laughs> Richard Gleeson for serious wheels. We've mentioned Rabada Gurney with the left arm option. Phil Salt at the top of the order. And Jamie Overton who saw then quite a bit at Surrey last year. You think of him as a bowler, don't you, obviously? But actually, it's his, his batting was most handy to Surrey. He came in at five or six and smashed it everywhere. So that's a really lovely-looking side. I will, obviously, because, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've, I've been waiting for the Oval Invincibles to win the 100. And yeah. this could, I think this could be their year. Yeah. Um, being a Surrey man, whichever team appears at that ground wearing vaguely our kit is going to be mine. And we've got an absolutely top-notch looking side. We've got the variety of Topley, the left arm of Topley, uh, with Narine, Jason Roy, Tom Curran, Sam, both the Currans reunited. Um, and we've got Nathan Souter. You can tell us a bit about Nathan Souter. You played a lot with Nathan Souter. Well, I, I should point out quickly as well that uh, Topley, because I'm also going to be a Oval Invincibles fan. You cut me open and I bleed whatever colour they play in. So we cut you open, you bleed brown. <laughs> yeah, Josh, I, I should probably get that looked at. Actually, I should yeah, yeah. get that checked out. But uh, because where I am currently in my flat, I'm a stone's throw away from the oval. Uh, Reese Topley, I, I see him. He must live right near the road, down the road from me, because I see him quite a bit. I've seen him in the railway pub before. 
And I saw him getting on the tube the other day when it's freezing cold and he was just wearing shorts. Which he lives in Clapham Common. I, there, I, there you go. Yeah, there you I, go. I, I advised his father on what flat to buy. Oh, do you? <laughs> of course you well, do. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen him around and he was in shorts the other day, even though it was about minus two. So he's obviously hard as nails. So, uh, yeah, he's one to look out for in this as well. Can I ask you, do you know who your coach is, Finney? Because I looked at, uh, I refreshed my memory of the rules of the 100 the other day. Um, 100 balls per innings. Uh, you can either do five or ten consecutive balls. I think probably five for, for you, Finney. Ten balls. Can you imagine? You'd be absolutely knackered. But my other thing that spotted out was that the coach is allowed to walk out to the middle and chat tactics with you during the game. So do you have any idea who your coach is yet? Yeah, Simon Cattage. Oh, OK. Well, he doesn't seem too mean because I've got a horrible image in my head of you like you're, you're like four balls into a 10 ball spell and you've gone for 24 and the coach just coming out and just laying into you. But Katic doesn't seem the type to do that. Uh, well, you've got to be careful. You've got to make sure you sing the team song because if you don't do that, Simon, we know what Simon Katic can get like if you don't <laughs> sing the team song. Whatever the team song will be, I'm imagining it'll be Wonderwall if it's the Manchester Oh, that'd originals. be nice. Yeah. <laughs> that should be perfect for the Watford wall. Yeah, <laughs> it, would it could be. work, couldn't it? Make it my own. Get You're myself my embedded Watford in the history of yeah. the Manchester originals. There we go. Yeah. Um, well, Finney, congratulations, mate. And uh, genuinely, it was nice to see you get picked up for something because it, it does give us lots of content for our podcast. Uh, and we're rooting for you because, as I put on uh, the Zero Ducks Pod Twitter account in the last week, your 2020 international stats are far superior to Chris Morris's far superior. So if he's worth 1.6 million, then Finney's worth at least 5 million. So I hope the Manchester Originals realise what a bargain they've got here, Finney. I hope they realise. Thank you. Well, I think we need to galvanise some positivity around my cricket. Yeah, we do. I feel like people think I'm about 45 at the moment. (laughs) Grey hair sprouting from orifices that I don't even know exist. Um, I'm not as old as people think. No, far, far, no, and, and actually, I think this could be what is the catalyst for, for the next stage of your career. I mean, I think you'll find there will be fans out there that will just, like they do at Sussex, you know, where Rashid Khan's fans turn up and they sort of take over a bit of the ground. I can see, I don't know, whatever we're going to call them, the Finn Diesels, the Finisters, the Finasters, <laughs> for that matter. I don't know, the Incredibles. What, what, I can see them all in a gaggle. Yeah. down there, like singing the Stephen Finn song, whatever yeah. that may be. I, I completely agree because, um, you know, this is it. Finney is actually, you know, there's if Chris Morris at 33 years old is going for this money and Finney's got two years on him, this could be this could be the springboard for Finney back into the big time, back into the IPL, back going for big money, Finney. And uh, we do need your fan base to have a name, like the Directioners for One Direction, the Beliebers for Justin Bieber. Mm. And I like the Finn Credibles. I think oh, Finn Credibles, that, that, that would sell. That would sell, wouldn't it? Well, you could get a hashtag going on Twitter. I'm sure. I'm sure at least three people would reply to it. Yeah, exactly. my mum, my <laughs> girlfriend, my sister, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Have to try and rope in some other family members to get the hashtag going. Well, we we'll, we'll see what we could do. Maybe we we could. What we need to do is invest in like a Russian bot farm, the sort that meddle in elections. <laughs> we just have an offshore bot farm that just tweets love for Stephen Finn and the Finncredibles, and uh, and then your IPL value will go through the roof. Uh, well, well can done, I, Finny. Anyway, sorry, can, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I put can I put in just a word that I think the the Finnambulists I quite like. You know, <laughs> sure. I sort of I just sort of see these people sort of walking like sleepwalking around the ground together. Yeah. Right. And that being their signature. What are you with a Finn ambulance doing it in a slightly lugubrious six foot seven inch kind of way? 
and this and this is from a man that wanted to call this podcast virat kohli ate my hamster so yeah, <laughs> which i still maintain is an excellent title but we just thought there might be some legal issues well finney i could talk about your lucrative new contract forever but i'm going to move on to somebody who's earning way way more than you from the hundred and very excited because this is our first ever guest on zero ducks given and i am joined now by mr harry gurney hello harry how are you mate Hello, gents. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you all. Could I just caveat what you just said about, we're talking about mine and Finney's earning potential? Yeah, we are indeed. Can we talk about career earnings? <laughs> I reckon he's buying the drinks. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, yeah, yeah. All, already? I mean, that's Finney, I'm so sorry. Finney's just talked us through how much of his 32 grand just has to go immediately. Exactly. And, 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 all, and already you're claiming that he's going to have to buy the, that This is humiliating for you. Well, I think technically I will be providing the drinks, as you've reminded me a few times, Dan, on this. <laughs> wondering what your perfect mix of Lucas Aid and water is, has, because I'll, um, I'll be giving it to you. But... <laughs> well, I mean, we, Harry, we were chatting about the, uh, the lineup because the bowling lineup's pretty strong with uh, some mm. bloke called Rabada, who I think's quite good, uh, Jamie yeah. Overton, uh, Stephen Finn and yourself and we did think there's probably not space for everyone so um i guess it's going to be nice having uh ex-england legend stephen finn running your drinks on for you isn't it <laughs> or me running my or me running the drinks on for him you mean <laughs> where, where but, do you I see mean, yourself slotting into this lineup yeah i think like you say it's a strong uh it's a strong squad isn't it there's um there's lots of options there for the coaches and big outfield as well up at, up at old trafford and it rains a lot so um you know win-win Living the dream. That's the first thing you look at when you're a bowler. You get to a ground and you're like, right, how fucking big are these boundaries here? Because when you turn up at Trent Bridge and you've got that cut off corner and you're over that side of the ground, you're just like, oh, no, this is going to be a painful three hours. But Manchester, if you're in the guts of the square, you look square and there's like 80 meter boundaries either side. You're like, you beauty, this is this is my day today as a scene bowler. <laughs> my long yeah. hop's going unpunished. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've made a career out of low ball tosses. Don't knock it. <laughs> I, I, in 2020 cricket, bad bad balls seem to take all the wickets in 2020 cricket. <laughs> I actually watched, sorry, yesterday, I was just lounging around on my sofa and I reckon your T20 debut has was against India at um, Edgebaston. Is that right? Your T20 international. And you bowled yep. Suresh Rayner with a Yorker, perfect in swing in Yorker. And he wasn't even the same postcode as it. So I was like, yes, has. That's my teammate. That's my boy. <laughs> Manchester <laughs> you, you, originals. Yeah, and you played that day as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I bowled yeah. pies and got Coley caught deep square off a drag down. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was in, He's in the pocket, isn't he? That's all that all matters. Actually, he's in there a few times. I've not got room for him in both my pockets. In all formats, he's just... <laughs> He's just over-brimming. I should point out, we're three podcasts in. And in the first podcast, Stephen Finn called Don Bradman a walking wicket. And now he's talking about how he's got the wood on Iraq Coley. But, but, hey. Fair point. Bradman <laughs> just fell over him. A good in-swinger. He, his head was too far towards the offside. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not mentioned the biggest scalp of his career so far. Harry Gurney at Lord's caught mid off. No, it was caught point, no, I reckon, from an absolute point. pie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least, at least, uh, if, if Simon Cashit is listening to this, he's going, "Great, this is my team. Great, they're talking about times they've got out to rank deliveries." Now, um, a, li- a little bird tells me, Harry, and when I say a little bird, I mean Stephen Finn, that uh, mm. that that you're um, you're kind of Satan in a way because you're you're a big advocate for 2020 and how it's the future. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'm an advocate for all cricket, but I, I believe that T20 cricket is the way it's going. I think I have this sort of reputation as being like a test cricket hater, which isn't the case at all. I bloody love it. But I just think, you know, if you fast forward 25, 30 years time, um, you're going to see a very different cricketing landscape. And it's and it's one where I would imagine T20 cricket or a variant thereof will be the dominant will be the dominant format. Yeah, I mean, the reason why you got this reputation, Harry, is because you dive in with great gusto on Twitter when people take things very seriously. And mm. you actually seem to, re- I mean, is, is this because, you know, you had a longer time out with injury, you had time to fill, but you absolutely love it, don't you? I mean, I, I, the thing with Twitter is, and I've been really quiet on there for about the last year now, probably learned my lesson, but I sort of get a bit of a perverse pleasure out of being abused on there. So I like to be, I'm a bit of a smart ass on there. And I do, I, I can be a bit provocative, but the underlying message is sort of a serious one, I guess, in some ways that I think that's the way the game's going. It's just an opinion. But as I say, I've got, everyone now thinks that I, I hate Red Bull cricket, which is frustrating because every time I talk about it, oh, you bloody hate it anyway. <laughs> you know, not true. But anyway, yeah, I've got a bit of a, uh, a bit of a tag, I suppose. Um, how, how is the body holding up though? Quite seriously, is it? Are you looking forward to the season? Can we fit firing, ready to go? Yeah, I am. I've had, I've not played for about a year because I had, well, obviously we all had COVID and then we I mean, all actually have COVID. <laughs> We'd have herd immunity. That'd be great. Over. Um, no, so the, we had the COVID thing and then I had shoulder surgery in September. So I'm still on the, on the, the rehab trail, but I'm, uh, I'm getting close now and I should be fine. Ready for the blast, which starts in sort of early June, I think, and then leading into the hundred. Well, it, well, it might do, but of course, we're waiting with bated breath. I mean, by the time this podcast goes out, we may know. But with the roadmap, there's a chance. There was whispers, weren't there, that ECB were going to bring the Council Championship forward mm. uh, and play basically all of it, April, May, June, to give the Blast mm. an opportunity to be played in front of crowds, which mm. just means that, what, you just keep your feet up until sort of mid-July, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it wouldn't be a disaster, I guess, for me personally. On a you know Coming back from an injury, it might buy me a couple of extra weeks, but... Um... Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long period without any cricket, so I'm looking forward to getting stuck in again. Well, it's interesting. I did look up your stats earlier, Harry, and uh, and your first class bowling average of over 30. If I was you, I'd want the Red Bull format to die out as well. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got you've you've come into it with a with a script, so you can abuse me. I can't believe it. Not, you, didn't, you didn't prepare me for it. Yeah, you're right. You're right, though. I always thought I wanted to end my career just below 30 and I finished what was it about 31 yeah yeah for 30 about 30.3 I think you're doing yourself a disservice there mate you're doing yourself a disservice yeah you've you blown my to... shin off in there a couple of times has I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, want, you want to take a leaf out of Swanee's book who retired with a test average of 29.96 yeah that's the way to do it isn't it yeah and that was that was actually during an ashes tour well, it was well. mid-tour wasn't it yeah, yeah. My test bowling average is 30.40, and that tipped over in my last test match, which really oh, pissed no. me off oh, a lot. Oh, what well, did you go for in your last test? You must have gone for absolutely stacks. You get like none for no, 100. Then. No, it was, I, I bowled 11 overs and got none for about 40, and that just tipped me over the edge, which was oh, a hammer blow. Gutted. <laughs> well, well, Finney, maybe this 100, we talked about it earlier, this is the renaissance. This is the Stephen Finn renaissance. The 100 is where the springboard back to the big time for Finney. Um, Harry, mate, I won't keep you too long because I know that you've got uh, £80,000 to spend and you've just got a Tesco's, <laughs> Tesco's delivery. But Finney, Finney was saying before you came on the call, that, uh, hey, after this 80 grand, maybe Marks and Spencer's going forward. Who knows, Harry? 
Yeah, well, the thing is, it's, you might think of me more as an M&S man, but my wife does all the online shopping and she's the daughter of a Yorkshireman, so I've got no chance. You look at you look, you look, it wasn't Aldi or Lidl or... Uh, Harry, mate, genuinely, congratulations on, uh, on getting picked up and uh, we very much look forward to the hundreds and, uh, and watching you and Finney get that Rabada lad out the team. You two taking the new ball for me, I reckon. Thanks, gents. Looking forward to it. Take care. Right. Cheers, Harry. Thanks Cheers, very much. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Bye. So, yeah, one of your new teammates. So, you've obviously got a bit of a relationship. He's a bit of a mate of yours, is he, Finney? Is, does everyone on the on the county scene kind of know each other and kind of get along a little bit? Yeah, it, it tends to be that way because you, you do play against each other a lot. And when there was a divisional structure and Nottinghamshire for a long time were at the top of the first division, Middlesex Vine to be up there as well, they tended to be quite competitive games. But Haz is one of the guys that on the county circuit is just renowned for being a good bloke and renowned for um, for being able to have a laugh about himself and cricket and the day's play and stuff. So, yeah, he's always been entertaining to play against. Well, that's lucky because uh, he's on the right podcast if he can if he can take a bit of abuse. So, uh, yeah, so thank you for being a good sport, Harry. Uh, just before we leave the 100, because I, I sense that we're about to, can I just, just have a, a moment's silence, perhaps, for Dane Villas? Because... In October 2019, Dane Villas was picked up. I think it was by the Manchester Originals, wasn't it? Yeah. A, a cool £125,000. It was quite a head-scratcher at the time. It was the Chris Morris of the 100 auction, if I recall rightly. Uh, and now, job forward. We've gone through COVID, come out the other side, and I can't see him in any team. That is an expensive pandemic, isn't it? That is that is unfortunate, isn't it? That basically means that for a year, a team had a year to think to themselves, why the fuck did we spend all that money on Villas? <laughs> guys, guys, we've had a year to think about it and uh, we're going to pull the plug on that one. We're going to pull the plug on that one. Uh, so basically, to sum up the 100, a good pandemic for Stephen Finn and a terrible one for Dane Villas is the best way to look at it. Now, Daniel Norcross, something else that caught your eye uh, over the last few days. So David Gower has made his sort of return to Sky because they're televising the PSL and Dave Gower is, of course, commentating on it. It's nice to have David Gower back on our screens. But he's a complete sellout, isn't he, Daniel Norcross? What did you hear him say the other day? <laughs> well, do you know, it, I'm not going to say he's a sellout, but it, did, <laughs> it, it felt very strange indeed because on the PSL, not only do they sponsor at the close of play, you know, you've got the five different sort of man of the match awards and super smashing shot through someone's window award and that kind of thing. But they've now got sponsors for different shots. So there's a cover drive unfurled the other day and David, with as much gusto as he could manage, pronounced it a splendid Brito cover drive. Now, I don't know about you, but hearing David Gower have to use sponsored language in the middle yeah. of a game is is a bit like hearing your grandmother rapping. It's like, <laughs> it, it's just really, it's, and, and look, can I feel for him? Because, you know, I had to do it myself. Back in the day when I ran something called Test Match Sofa, we needed money. So we got um, Leon restaurants to hire us. You'll be familiar with them. They're in all sorts of railway stations. and Posh healthy food, streets. yeah. Posh, Posh healthy, healthy food. fast food, yeah. That's right. So we would go, you know, if the ball went over the boundary, go, that's a Leon restaurants for, it tastes great. And it looks fantastic or something. And it's good for you. And, uh, and subsequently, we got sponsored by a Gaylord Indian restaurant, which we had a certain amount of uh, fun with. You know, that's a marvellous Korma forward defensive. 
from Gaylord Indian restaurants. Now, <laughs> the difference between us and David Gower is that we were absolutely shit-faced <laughs> and shouting at TV. But David Gower, I mean, you know, he's a he's a venerable member of the cricketing establishment. It's it's quite the thing, isn't it? It's it, it is it is bizarre, isn't it? Now, I could mock, but also as a man who works in commercial radio, who is a slave to uh, to capitalism. Uh, and also a man whose show on Radio X is sponsored by Rustler's Microwavable Burgers. The tagline is, it's better than you think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? Yeah. Is, oh, who my... thought that up? It's be sacked, don't they? Better than you think. I might make that my tagline now, actually. <laughs> Stephen Finney's better than you think. <laughs> I swear to God, that is Rustler's tagline and they sponsor my show. And me and Rustler's have a beautiful relationship. Thankfully, they can take a joke like Harry Gurney. Rustlers can take a joke because I have to allude to the fact that I'm on air, that I'm sponsored by microwavable burgers. There's too much comedy in that. But Rustlers are so laid back about it. They're very, very cool. Um, so I will not take the moral high ground here on David Gower uh, going through sponsored cover drives. However, it did get me thinking, rather than sponsoring just the shot, big companies should sponsor certain players. So, for example... If Josh Butler is playing a reverse sweep and he's probably, you know, the best reverse sweeper in the world, maybe at the moment, you know, a big company could come in and pay good money for Josh Butler's reverse sweep. And they only have to say it when Josh Butler does a reverse sweep. And then I was bored earlier and I was uh, and I was going through basically all the shots that I could think of in the book. And I've decided who has the best of that shot in the history of cricket. And I'm going to let you two chime in here and disagree or agree. So if you picture it, I'm kind of starting at the batsman and I'm going around 360 degrees back to third man, all the way down to point, blah, 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 all the way back round to deep fine leg. It does get a bit complicated because there's some right and left handers in here. But forward defensive, if you were going to sponsor any cricketer in history's forward defensive, it's Rahul Dravid, right? Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Yeah? I mean, you know, Jeffrey might want to, well, Jeffrey would have a word with you about about everything. And as a yeah. Yorkshireman, he'd take the money as well if they offered to. Oh, yes. He'd block even more. If you were willing to pay Jeffrey Boycott for his forward defensive back in the day, he'd have been even more dull to watch. Um, right, run down to third man, Kane Williamson. Easy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, it's, it's, I, can't, I can't argue at the moment. Now, now, this next shot, the square cut, is an important one because everybody should be able to play the square cut because the square cut is just putting away a short and wide one, yes? There's every batsman can play the square cut. All left-handers can play it because right-arm right bowlers get a bit greedy and go across them and then too much and they slap it. So I put Brian Lara as probably the best exponent of the square cut, but I've got no respect for the square cut. I've got no respect for it. It's, it's, just, it's just putting rubbish in the bin, isn't it? Uh, you should... Oh, no. A Robin, a Robin Smith square cut was a thing of savage beauty. I mean, you actually, you saw people desperately not want to field at point or, you know, a slightly square gully or cover when, uh, when Robin Smith was... I mean, he, he, and he used to cut it with those, those forearms, those massive forearms. God, it's wonderful to watch. Jeez. This is why I'm glad you're here, Norcross, because I have obviously lent towards players that I've seen in my lifetime. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is and that is why I thought, well, maybe Dan's going to have some suggestions from yesteryear. So Robert Smith is perfect. I also am told that Gordon Greenwich, my dad used to bang on about his square cut as well. He used to say it was a big, over-the-top, extravagant square cut. But basically, it's just getting rid of a crap delivery, isn't it? But then you've got batsmen who can turn different deliveries into a square cut. So 
and they're the most annoying ones to bowl at. And they tend to be about five foot one. Mm. So for someone my height, you let go of the ball and you think, oh, that's a good length ball. And then all of a sudden, this little small person gets on the back foot and cuts it off of off stump. And you're left there thinking, scratching your head, why on earth has that gone to the boundary? So I'd say one of the best exponents of the square cut and for turning deliveries into a square cut that shouldn't particularly have been a square cut is probably Verinda Sewag. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he made yeah. it look beautiful. To be fair, yeah, I I do think that's the key to a good square cut is somebody that plays it to the balls where it's not normally there, rather than Andrew Strauss just waited for the short wide one and then put it mm. away. But ones that can actually just, I mean, I remember watching Tendulkar in ODIs as well, just turning turning Brett Lee full and straight on about middle and off, turning those into square cuts somehow. So yeah, I will give you that, Finney. I'll give you that. I'll bow to your superior knowledge. Uh, square drive. I've gone for Joe Root. Loves a square drive. Loves a square Ooh, drive. Birak Coley, Birak Coley, will have an argument. Yeah, with yeah, I'll give he you threads, that. He threads the square drive with with great accuracy. See, if I was going to do root, I'd have the savage sweep in front of square. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the basic sweep to Joe Root. If there's any companies that want to sponsor that, who are uh, you going to do? Who are you going to do for the um, the abject leave? Well, the leave... Now, there was there was Mike Gatting, then there was Michael Clark, famously against against Simon Hughes. I think nowadays, though, we're looking at uh, Dom Sibley. He's, he's, he loves the, the leave. The, the leave when he actually watches the ball onto his stumps from the spinner. <laughs> there's also, if you get a chance, to YouTube Herschel Gibbs leaving Michael Kasprovich. There's a very good one there where Michael Kasprovich pitches it on middle and leg and it's an away swinger that hits middle and Gibbs <laughs> just leaves it the whole way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, cover drive, I've gone for Ian Bell. It's got to be Ian Bell's cover drive, isn't it? And and I want to get Belly on the podcast at some point, and I'm sure we will, because I'm convinced that the more that people talked about his cover drive, the more he used to purposely overdo it and exaggerate how beautiful his cover drive was. Definitely. There's nothing more that pisses me off than a batsman who cover drives you and then run downs the wi- runs down the wicket. Sometimes he'd hold the pose until he was right in the bowler's face at the other end, and there there's actually nothing more that is red rag to a ball for a fast bowler than some jumped up little shit of a batsman <laughs> holding the pose all the way into your face, almost saying, yeah, keep bowling it, mate. They're going to keep going to the boundary. And you just think, twat. By the way, can, can our producer just keep tabs on the number of things that are the worst thing that batsmen do to Stephen Fink? Because I reckon we've had three other ones already and we're only on to our third podcast. You hate, yeah. you hate is, batsmen, don't you? We've, We've talked about these podcasts being therapy for me. And, you know, you've cut me down about calling me shit. And now I'm just getting all of this off my chest now about what batsmen have done to me over the years. So if you can bear with me, uh, I'll keep I'll keep going, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I mean, the good thing is it's it's great for the listener. Probably terrible for your mental health, but great for our listening figures. So, so I'm fine for you to carry on. Also, I'm going to take that tirade as you saying, yeah, probably Ian Bell cover drivers. Probably I'll agree with that. Straight drive, I've gone for Sachin Tendulkar. I had to squeeze him in somewhere. His straight drive was pretty damn magnificent. Again, I'm open to suggestions on that. Finney? Disagree. Shane Watson. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of people out there might say you're, you're taking the piss a little bit, putting Shane Watson above Sachin Tendulkar. But I bowled at Shane Watson a fair bit in my career, and you had to purposely have your mid-on deeper and way straighter than a normal mid-on would be because when you were running up or when I was running up, it just felt as though he was so desperate to put his studs in your forehead and get on the front foot 
that anything that was full of a length, he just hit directly straight past the stumps, past the umpire. So we actually set a fielder almost especially for Shane Watson's straight drive when we played against him. Yeah, he did used to play a glorious straight drive. It was also, though, partly the reason that he was constantly at LBW because he planted that front foot trying to play a straight drive every single ball. But it was a, it was a thing of beauty. Now, I've given Kevin Peterson the whole area from mid-on through to mid-wicket. <laughs> I've just given him that whole f- about like 25% of the pitch. I've just said KP mid on to, to mid wicket. You can have that one, mate. Um, Ooh, can I, can I put, can I, can I, this, uh, KP won't like this. He won't like this at all, you know, but um, <laughs> no, he's an incredible player. Um, Rashid Khan, for me, the Rashid Khan wild flail of arms and legs and the ball weirdly sees Rashid Khan flat on his back, but the ball itself helicoptered over deep mid wicket is a thing of beauty. I'll give you KP's Flamingo, but I think for the absolute sort of cartoon arms and legs shot out into the leg side, I okay. like Rashid Khan. I'll allow that. I'll let the, the display of the left leg shot, I'll, I'll give yeah. you that one. And I've gone for clip off the pads and I've gone for just Cookie, Alistair Cook here, just a single. I don't, I don't, I don't even want him to hit it for four. I just want him to just nudge it for a, for a single. Just, uh, just leave, 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 leave. You've bowled too straight, clip off the pad, single. And he just did that for about 15 years and scored 10,000 runs and then retired. It was, it was pretty effective. I'd like to give an honourable mention here as well for an ugly nerdle off the hip to Dean Elgar of South Africa, <laughs> who if it just is amazing at just putting an ugly little single, just clipped it off the hip, just, just working. Well, do you know, South Africans are incredible, aren't they? Some of, some of the greatest South African players are the ones that you would, you would pay money not to watch. I mean, I'm thinking. Here. <laughs> well, Graham Smith was good at the cover drive that went through square leg. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here's, here we go. This is more therapy for Finney. Come more on. therapy for Finney. Get your Graham Smith off your shoulder. <laughs> well, it was almost impossible to set a field for because I think he genuinely meant to hit them through extra cover and they'd just go through mid wicket. You sat there as a bowler thinking, I mean, is he taking the piss out of me here and actually and hitting them there? and turning the bat face or is he meaning for these to go through extra cover and they just go through square leg I, I haven't got a fucking clue and to be honest if he didn't then fair play <laughs> I mean if he's mastered that shot then fair play to him because he did it for about 8,000 test runs or something and the uh, rest I reckon yeah. yeah and the rest yeah it must be more than that uh, hook shot now I've gone before my era here but by all accounts, basically, my dad always used to bang on about Viv Richards playing the hook shot, that, that he was great at it because he was so used to facing fast West Indian bowling. Uh, the other option is just Brian Close. Just don't even play a shot. Just wear it on the skull, which is, an, which is another option. Pull shot, ponting, obviously, has got to be mentioned. Michael Vaughan, for about 18 months, had yeah. the greatest pull shot ever. He just didn't sustain it. Finney's shaking his head there. It was no, for about I don't 18, think... 18 months he played it well. Yeah, fair enough. But I from... Like watching Ponting get hit in the face, wasn't it by Mohammed Asif? It was like, and he was just so unbelievably surprised that he'd missed the pull shot and it hit him in the face, spat a bit of blood out, and then just cracked on and kept pulling them. I think, yeah, Ricky Ponting, you can't argue with that. Yeah, and uh, Harmison, of course, hit him in the face in the first test of the 2005 Ashes, and then Ponting scored a hundred at Old Trafford, was it? Just still pulling everything off Harmison to the fence. Different pulls, though. I think I'm going to give you the standard Ponting pull. But mm. the pull I liked the most was still Alex Stewart's pull way in front of square mm. through deep mid-wicket for one bounce four. Yeah. After he played it, he would almost readjust his collars, dust himself down, blow on the bat, 
and start again. And oh. swivel, swivel the bat three times in his hands <laughs> and then go again. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've put um, Chinese cut, uh, Stephen Finn. Just a nice inside edge down the deep fine leg. <laughs> oh, that's mean. I thought we were going to go for the uh, eye-closed larrup at Brisbane over wide long on. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's a number that I've specialised in. I think if you ask my teammates, the one that I've mastered the most is getting hit straight on the shin off a half volley, um, straight in front of middle stump would be probably the one that my teammates would say I'm most accustomed to. <laughs> the sponsors, are, I'd love it if someone sponsored that. Every time you're out plumbing front of middle stump this season, we'll give you five grand. You make a fortune, but you make way more than you're making off the hundred. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who should sponsor that. It's got to be Co-op Funeral Services. The Co-op Funeral Services stone dead LBW. <laughs> <laughs> if Co-op are listening, we can, we can make that happen for you, Finney, mate. We can make that happen. The leave, Steve Smith, but I don't want to give him the satisfaction because his leave annoys me so, so much. Uh, and Manus Labashain, who's just obviously a lap dog and wants to be, a bit, wants to be like Steve Smith and copy him in every single way. Um, I'm going to give the leave to Marcus Cheskovic because he does that beautiful where you just bring the bat just inside the line. So for the first few overs, and Philly, you must have experienced this, bowlers think that they're all over a batsman. They're going, oh, this guy plays and misses at everything before you realise actually he's just playing his bat inside the line and just not following it at all. But Mark Treskoffit, you could always tell when no one had ever bowled at him before because they'd be excited for about four or five overs and then realise when he's on 150 that, oh no, it turns out he was just leaving me all alone. Yeah, he was so good at that. I played in one of my first ever List A games against Marcus Treskothic and uh, and he did that to me a couple of times. I was like, what's this bloke giving it? He's playing and missing here. He, you know, he's just come back or just finished playing for England and tearing it up in county cricket. And he like goes through the repertoire where he plays inside a few. And then I can't believe we didn't talk about him for the dab down to third man, but he also did it where it came yeah. off the full face of the bat. It was not like he even angled it to get down there. He just played it so late that it would come off the middle of his bat and piss off down to third man. And you'd be like, right, this bloke's probably got my number here. And then <laughs> as he just cranked it up into third gear, he'd start hitting through the line of it through extra cover. And, and that's when he was really in on the charge. So, yeah, he was probably one of the most demoralising people I've ever bowled at because you'd think you had a sniff and then it would just would come to you all of a sudden. You think this bloke's just taking the mickey out of me. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, got... is, it, is, it, is it the worst thing in cricket, Finney? Is it? <laughs> I've experienced worse, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's up there. There are a number of things that, that are on a par up there. Yeah. Um, other mentions here. I've put, obviously the deal scoop is, is deal Shan. Uh, Donny's got the windmill. KP's got the switch hit. Isn't um, the windmill something else? I think yeah, Tony's I the helicopter. Say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see the windmill at, at, um, at, <laughs> on the full Monty or something, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine too many people sponsoring Doni to do that every game. <laughs> uh, and I've also put the slog sweep, Malloy. Malloy, who, uh, who got down on one knee and slog swept Brettley into the sixth tier of the MCG or how many tiers it's got as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are, those are some of my suggestions. If there are any companies that want to sponsor any of those beautiful things, then uh, then please get in touch. We can't make it happen, but just get in touch anyway. It'll do our social media followers who older could, which moves us nicely on to actually the Finn Credibles, Stephen Finn fans, because we, uh, we've been getting questions for Finney on social media. Very quickly, guys, because I'm aware that uh, we're running over time, but uh, Finney from Emma, choice of being in one of the three shows. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here strictly or naked attraction. Which one are you going on? Well, I think we can pretty solidly rule out naked attraction to begin with, because being 
two meters tall and uh and a bit skinny you're probably not tearing up any trees on um <laughs> on naked attraction i wouldn't say i think being on i'm a celebrity uh, i just i just can't see me being happy being in a tunnel full of snakes and rats and and, uh, and not looking like an absolute buffoon on national tv and people realizing that even though i'm a fast bowler that i'm a complete and utter wimp when it comes to that stuff so I think by denomination, it's probably strictly come dancing, but I would probably also need 10 pints before every episode to have the courage to go out there and do it. Now, that is a TV show that I would watch. Just drunk strictly come dancing would be a much better experience. <laughs> there wouldn't be that many episodes, Vinny. You'd have to do the first two and after that. And you get paid the same amount whether you make it to the final or not. You are made for Strictly. Cricketers have a history on Strictly, don't yeah, they? They do. I, I've got to you say, never know, I might discover some hips from somewhere. It might be good <laughs> for my cricket. I'll tell you, that I, I never cried so much in my life as uh, Mark Ramprakash's salsa that he had to redo when he got his microphone caught in Karen Hardy's uh, bra strap. It was, it was a thing of wonder. And I, I tell you, it was one of, the, one of the most moving incidents of my life. Darren Goff, <laughs> he was pretty handy at it. Yeah, Michael well. Vaughan survived for quite a while. Graham Swan will tell you he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they're, cricketers have got a noble, a noble um, history, but that doesn't mean to say that it needs to carry on like that, Finney. I'm sure we could get you out there to do. I, I, I sort of see you doing a rumba. The, well, I think the campaign starts now for Samit Patel on the next edition of Strictly Come Dancing as well. Wouldn't that be uh, Samit Patel in sequins? You're telling me that wouldn't sell? Come on, come on, <laughs> <laughs> come on. I'd watch it certainly. Um, and well, finally, it, 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 it demands. Sorry, it demands his outfit's made of chocolate buttons, and the whole scene would go ill. <laughs> <laughs> um, Finny, and finally I've got a question here from Rob who says why didn't you accept my offer of some chicken at Trent Bridge versus Pakistan in 2010 well I actually foresaw the COVID-19 pandemic and realised that personal <laughs> hygiene was something of great importance to me so when a bloke who'd had 10 pints was hanging over the boundary board with a bucket of KFC holding it out in the palm of his hand, asking me if I wanted some of his chicken. When I when I declined that, I, I probably made a sensible decision, I'd say. Do you remember him then? Can you can you can you picture it in your mind's eye? Well it's no, I'd say a fair few more significant things have happened to me in the last 10 years for that to be erased from my memory. But judging by the way the tweet was worded, I can only imagine that he was uh, inebriated at the time. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to be drunk in a test cricket match again in the in the future. It's going to be a thing of beauty. Hang on a minute. Maybe it isn't the Finn Credibles. Maybe it's the Finn Ebriots. That's who we actually need. <laughs> That's good catch on as well. Feel free to tweet us at Zero Ducks Pod uh, for your suggestions for Stephen Finn's fan base. At Zero Ducks Pod, by the way, is our Twitter, our Instagram, and still our TikTok. We've still got absolutely no idea. But if Finney does end up on Strictly and learn how to dance, then that's the TikTok account sorted. Um, finally, guys, we haven't really looked forward to uh, England versus India. But of course, the third test is just around the corner. It's funny at the minute because they keep posting pictures of the pitch on social media. And uh, day one, it was beautifully green. And I thought, hello, pink ball, day-night test, Jimmy Anderson. We're in the game here. And they've been updating the photo every single day and it's getting dry. You know, in Silent Witness, where they peel back uh, the cover in the morgue <laughs> to, take it, to take a look at how decomposed the body is. Basically, every single day they're taking off the covers and the English bowlers are stood around watching this corpse of a pitch reveal itself. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that by the time the, the game comes around, uh, it is going to be a spinner's paradise. I have absolutely no, no doubt at all. But very quickly, guys, a prediction for the third test. Daniel Norcross. I think England's got a really good chance. I think even if the pitch is dry, this pink SG ball 
It hoops around corners. The difficulty is going to be how are they going to balance their side? England are going to go in, I reckon, with one spinner. Will Chris Wokes get a go at last or will they go in with a really long tail? Because if Wokes doesn't play, they've got to play quite a long tail starting at eight with Archer. Uh, how's it going to go? I think England might surprise people. And, um, oh, can I say it? I think they might win. Oh, what have you done, Dan? No, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I am going to say that England are going to win uh, just through blind loyalty and optimism. I've got no cricketing reasons to back it up other than I would like England to win the Test match. So I'll say that England are going to win by 87 runs. Ooh. There you go. Uh, and Stephen Finn, what about you, mate? Yeah, well, I agree. I think there's a totally different proposition with the pink ball and I've seen pictures on social media of it and it looks like something you'd use in Birmingham League Division 6, like a two-piece pink ball thing that might hoop round corners. So, um, so yeah, I held out hope that there might be some more assistance than we think, especially under lights for the seam bowlers, uh, that in tandem with it maybe being a bit drier underneath to give the spin bowlers something to work with as well. So, yeah, I think hopefully England can put to bed that last performance that they put in in Chennai, new scenario, new stadium. It looks like an absolute monster of a stadium, by the way, 110,000 people. But yeah, I, I'm very hopeful for England in this test match. And I think that if they do get a good start in the game, because the start of the game is so important in India, whether you're with bat or ball, will determine the momentum of the rest of the game. It promises to be an exciting test and I think it will be a bit more interesting for the benefits to England with the pink ball and the day-night test. I think it'll make it a much more even battle uh, and hopefully Joe Root and the boys can uh, can go 2-1 up in the series of one to play. Can you imagine that before the series? We never would have thought it. Daniel Norcross, thank you very much for joining me as always and Stephen Finn, I'll let you go and spend your millions or should I say I'll let, I'll let your agent go and spend <laughs> your millions. <laughs> I'll buy myself a packet of salt and vinegar crisps. That's about <laughs> as far as I'm going to stretch. Chris Morris, Chris Morris is probably right now eating what lobster caviar and there's Stephen Finn with his salt and vinegar crisps. Chaps, until next time, lovely to see you. Cheers. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.